Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sat, managing editor at FightfulMMA.com. Fightful.com. We got it all over there. Go check it out. UFC 241 coverage this past weekend. Ryzen coverage this past weekend, including some major happenings. We're not going to waste any time. Leave those thumbs up. Subscribe. We do have an MMA channel uh, with clips, previews, betting odds, all that stuff. It's YouTube.com slash FightfulMMABoxing. You can catch the on-demand version of this show there and all of our podcast platforms. There's no excuse for you to miss this show, the most no BS MMA show there is. And we are joined by Showdown Joe Ferraro, fresh, not fresh off the plane, not like 12 hours off the plane probably, <laughs> but you, you were commentating a very noteworthy rise in show, Joe. Yeah, that was an absolute uh, gong show. I got back late last night, uh, and it's been crazy since I uh, woke up this morning. I've been nonstop since about 6.30 this morning, uh, but still recovering from that crazy show uh, in Japan I mean, that main event with Kaya Sakura knocking out uh, Kyochi Horiguchi in, you know, 67 seconds. It was not expected. Uh, that was, I mean, even it was, in essence, a, a match that was sort of a wash. Um, you know, not not giving Horiguchi a fresh body, but someone that's good enough, an up-and-comer, ready to rock and roll. Man, this kid is something else. I've been trying to tell people about the Asakura brothers for a very long time. Especially uh, on this show, I've heard you mention them numerous times. Yeah, yeah, it's, I've been telling people, pay attention to these brothers. They are absolutely amazing. Uh, his brother, Sokai's brother, Mikuru, he basically headlined the last Ryzen event, Ryzen 17. And he took out Yusuke Yachi, who was one of the top you know, lightweights in um, in Japan. And Mikuru's actually a featherweight. So he moved up a division and took him out. And then uh, they had already promoted the fact that Horiguchi was taking on Kai Asakura for this show. Uh, and lo and behold, it did not last long. 67 seconds and... The way, if you watch the Rise and Confessions on YouTube, the way these guys promote and analyze fights is is something special. And they said, "Look, we're going to shock the world. You watch, you see, watch what's going to happen." So, uh, fantastic to say the least. And, and admittedly, when I looked at Asakura, I, I remembered that Road FC loss to, to Jay Hoon Moon, which he avenged. Like I think, what eight nine months ago at Ryzen at the the New Year's show, he avenged that loss. Maybe not in as exhilarating fashion as he lost, but. 
that maybe put a damper on his prospect status that had kind of emerged out of Road FC before that. And, I mean, he was a pretty accomplished amateur fighter, too, and had some stutters early on. But this is not like a guy that you'll see that's like 9-9. Nine and nine. He's 13-1 and one career, I think. Uh, here's my question, Joe, as we look at this, and we'll talk about the rest of the rise in results. What's next for Horiguchi? Is he going to defend that Bellator championship, or is he going to seek out that rematch against Asakura? Well, as I'm answering that question, I just need you to take a look at the YouTube channel. It doesn't seem that we're live. It's not showing there, unless it's my computer. But uh, he has to defend the Bellator title. I know that Ryzen was on the phone with Bellator after the event uh, to discuss what's next. Uh, what exactly is next, I don't know. I know Horiguchi is going to want a rematch with Asakura to avenge that loss. And I know Asakura is going to want a title shot uh, in that rematch for the Ryzen belt. Uh, so that's another story altogether right there. Uh, as for Bellator, yeah, he has to defend that title. He is the Bellator champion, so it remains to be seen who he'll compete against. And with the rumors happening that potentially December 29th show Bellator in Japan, uh, I'm thinking Horiguchi will likely be on that card. I know it's only August, and, and, and Horiguchi is going to want to compete, but yeah, there's some interesting stuff going on there with, with Kyoji as we speak because this throws a wrench into everybody's plans. Uh, whether a good wrench or a bad wrench, uh, yeah, very strange. So yeah, it's not showing us live, so we will post the recording of this uh, upon completion. You all will be seeing this thinking, well, it's already recorded. Yeah, it is. But uh, we were filming this all along, fortunately, so we didn't lose out on time or anything like that. Um, Resolution settings basically uh, caused the issue. But uh, yeah, well, this Ryzen show, as we look at things, we also had uh, Takeo Mizugaki losing in, in... pretty big fashion to Manuel Cape. You have Justin Scoggins getting a win. What else do you, Kana Asakura got, got a win via split decision. What stood out to you on this show? Oh, so many different things. First things first, I've been telling everybody uh, about the Asakura brothers. I now need you to start paying attention to Takaki uh, Soya. This kid is something special. Mark my words. This kid is something special. He's absolutely fantastic. Soya is absolutely no joke. He's an up-and-comer, uh, and he'll be absolutely fantastic. Uh, he'll, he'll be in the, the rumored Bantamweight Grand Prix. No ifs, ands, or buts, because he's, uh, he's well-loved in Japan, considering he suffers from a rare disease, uh, took some time off, and, and continues to showcase just how fantastic he actually is. So he emerged victorious as well. Uh, the Kana Asakura Alicia Zapatella fight was a split decision. You could have easily made the argument. Easily that Alicia won that fight. She didn't. Um, you know, it, it, people can call it a hometown decision. Uh, it was a very close fight, but I think Zapatella did enough uh, to win that fight. John Wayne Parr didn't win the fight. He got a split decision, uh, but it was an absolute honor, A, calling his fight, but B, spending a lot of quality time with John Wayne Parr while I was in Japan. That guy there is something else. He's still trying to get that 100th uh, you know, Muay Thai victory of his career, so uh, we'll see if he gets another uh, chance at it. Manel Cape taking up Mizugaki. Dude, that was a high level. I don't know if you saw it, Sean. It was an uppercut, step off to the right, throw an overhand or throw a right hook, and he dropped Mizugaki like it was bad news. It was like high level technique. It's not something you would learn, uh, you know, in, in a boxing class right off the bat. That is something that was really, really high level. Uh, and Hamasaki, I think that that's someone that you could appreciate. Um, she was in big trouble in her fight early on. Uh, and then the world – there's a reason why she's the number one atom weight and super atom weight in the world. It, it, it's, you just saw it in that fight, how she systematically defended the bad trouble, the bad news, t- 
turned it around, got a dominant position, and then went for the armbar with complete and utter confidence, not worried at all uh, that her opponent, who's a high-level grappler as well, uh, could reverse it. So that was great. Now, uh, you and your catch wrestling buddies, uh, <laughs> obviously Josh Barnett was there, and he, he cornered Victor Henry, uh, who took on Trent Gurdum. That was a fantastic fight. It was third from the top, so it was just under the co-main event. A lot of people wondered why. Well, watch that fight, and you'll see why. It was a fantastic fight, and I was blessed and lucky enough to then hang out with Trent Gurdum afterwards, uh, me and, and his cornerman, as well as uh, Ben Nguyen, who was my color commentator for the show here. Uh, we went to, uh, to grab some, uh, a bite to eat after the show. And I got to tell you, man, I got all the time in the world for Trent Gurdham. I wish, Sean, I honestly, sincerely wish I was able to record that whole thing. I've never laughed so hard in my life. That guy there is an absolute mess. I would hang out with him anywhere in the world. He's hilarious, funny, has the best analogies, and 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 knows fighting, man. He knows fighting well, and you know could have could have could have did better in that fight there. He got in, got submitted with an inverted triangle choke, but man, just just a gangster, just an absolute Australian gangster. Love that kid. So I wanted to ask you, how did you feel about Ben Win on commentary? Frank Trigg was. Uh, it- in the cage for another reason. He was over at UFC 241 doing some refing. Uh, what did you think of Ben Wynn? Ben Wynn was fantastic. Fantastic. I mean, for his first real big show to be able to do that uh, on that type of stage, I thought he was absolutely fantastic. And he's only going to get better. Uh, I don't know if Ryzen's going to bring him back or if because if, it was more or less Frank's schedule. Maybe, uh, maybe you'll be getting in there with Chris Cordero. Yeah, oh God, here we go. Uh, but yeah, you know what? Um, he, he was paying attention because there was five Bantamweight fights on this card. Uh, and obviously that Bantamweight Grand Prix coming up potentially in 2020, Ben's going to want to get into that. So uh, it could be a you know a rotating color commentator. It could be Frank Trigg, could be Ben Wynn at any time. So uh, lots of love for Ben Wynn. He's a great guy. Uh, obviously got to know him a lot more under these circumstances as opposed to when he's competing because you don't have much time to talk to the fighters when they're competing the week of the show. But man, great guy, funny, hilarious, uh, knows the Japanese culture inside and out. We went out to an amazing Japanese barbecue uh, after the weigh-ins, and man, we had a great time, and, and all all the time in the world for Ben Wynn. I got to get myself to, obviously, to Australia because of Trent Gurdum, John Wayne Parr, and Ben Wynn, open invitations, uh, and to Thailand. Man, I got to figure, we got to do a fightful from Thailand. That's what we got to do. God, I wish. Uh, also yeah. worth noting, Jared Brooks, uh, UFC veteran, no contest due to an accidental headbutt. John Wayne Parr lost via split decision. I love yeah. mixing in the kickboxing. I love it. It's a good way to kind of get that on, on a grand stage as well and get us talking about it because otherwise we're probably not talking about a John Wayne Parr fight, all, all things considered. Uh, a very noteworthy rise and show. And when, when you're talking about uh, events overseas and like us, uh, for, outside of you doing commentary, uh, a viewer – internationally that that's about all you can ask for is something noteworthy i mean you're gonna have hardcore fans but hey people are gonna remember this show people are gonna remember kaioji horiguchi straight up i'll say it one of the best japanese mma fighters of all time already in my opinion getting beaten and setting up a feud uh he wasn't uh asakura wasn't taking that laying down i'm very excited for for what's next for horiguchi for what's next for asakura for what's next for ryzen uh a lot of love there as well uh, there there were other events last weekend, of course, but we're going to talk a few uh, news bits. Dan Hardy says he's re-entering the USADA testing pool. All I can yeah. say is, Joe, anything to stay away from Matt Riddle, huh? Oh, wow. Wow, 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 wow. The boy Matt Riddle yeah. calls him out all the time. Oh, really? Does he really? 
Yeah, like uh, well, to this day. We, yeah, well, up until about a year and a half ago, uh, but I would always ag him on because, quite frankly, what may have gotten Matt Riddle his job here was the the Dan Hardy promo after UFC in Calgary. If you remember, probably the best thing on that UFC Calgary night was that Matt Riddle Buttertooth Brit promo. And um, by the way, Matt's uh, the the show that he wrestles on just got a TV deal with USA Network Prime Time oh. on Wednesdays, so. He's going to be doing some stuff, but Dan Hardy, back in that USADA pool, I'll tell you what, man, Dan Hardy is one of my favorite analysts in the sport right now. Uh, I I ad- openly admit that I watch his breakdowns on Inside the Octagon. I love them. I think they're awesome. And now maybe getting back in the cage, I don't know how well that will work for him. When I say that they should give him the lowest, lowest, lowest level opponent that they can on the roster, I mean it. He's 37 right now, Joe. He has not fought in seven years by the time he'll be eligible. What do you think? I don't know. I don't know what to think because I'm, 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 <clears throat> I assume it's passion. I hope it's not financially related. I hope it's the passion and the urge to, to want to continue competing and you know to, to, that he's healed uh, from everything from the past. I think it's great. I, I just don't know that he, I mean, he won't be able to compete I mean, at number 15 in the division is Vicente Luque. I don't want to see Dan Hardy competing against Vicente Luque or DeSantos or, or Lawler, or Pettis or Askren, right? So like you said, the lowest guy at the totem pole, if he's fighting at welterweight or middleweight, um, yeah, it would be interesting to note. But anytime a guy enters the pool, well, there's one reason why he's entering the pool. He wants to fight. So um, I'm mixed about it. Always mixed when I see a guy that's in their late 30s. Uh, who's been away for quite some time, or girl, who's been away for quite some time and, and wants to compete again. Uh, I'm obviously, or I'm, 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 I'm weary about it all. But if it's all done, it's all healthy, pass all the tests, and everything is good to go, there's no real harm other than what you would get in a mixed martial arts fight, uh, which obviously could be concussion-related and or you know just injuries to the body. If he can do it, wants to do it, by all means, uh, I'll support him. Great guy. Wonderful guy. Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo says he's open to fighting Henry Cejudo. Why wouldn't he be? He is way bigger than Henry Cejudo. What do you think? Henry Cejudo's a weirdo. He is, it's, man. It's, I mean, there's people that are finally, not I shouldn't say finally, but every time he says something, does something, does an interview, does some sort of television appearance, blah, blah, my phone starts. I get more love or more, more messages about the weirdness of Henry Cejudo than I do about actual UFC events that are coming up on a Saturday night. You know, look what he did this time. Look what he said. What's wrong with this guy? And I'm like, there's nothing wrong with him. He's just, he operates at a different frequency. It's almost, it's cringeworthy at times, but he is who he is. Like, we're not allowed to call him a double champ. We've got to call him the triple champ or quad champ. Like, okay, dude. And he's challenging a woman. Like, come on, man. Let's play the next edition of Do You Believe Dana White? <laughs> oh, boy. Dana White calls the Henry Cejudo... Valentina Shevchenko challenge. The wackiest shit he's ever heard in his life. Do you believe that that is indeed the wackiest shit Dana White has ever heard in his life, Joe? No, not at all. I'm sh- I'm sure he's heard crazier, stupider, weirder than that. I mean, it's up there. It's probably up there, but I don't think it's the wackiest stuff that he's ever heard. I think he's just echoing the sentiment of most people out there when they're like, Henry, just just stop, stop. Dana White claims that the man that Conor McGregor punched, which we have not talked about yet, we will, was much younger than he appeared, perhaps 40. Do you believe Dana White? No. No, because the gentleman in the video did not look 
uh, anywhere in their 40s. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if I look my age, but that guy looked older than me. Uh, and I'm in my mid to late 40s. I shouldn't say late 40s. Well, I'm really dating myself, but yeah. We're getting there, yeah. Dana White isn't sure that Daniel Cormier will ever fight again and that he's dreading the day that Cormier retires. This is a pretty easy, easy one. Do you believe Dana White? Yes, I do. I do believe Dana White because uh, I don't think Daniel even knows um, what he wants to do based on, on that performance. I mean, I, I got beef with a lot of this UFC 241 stuff, and I look at a lot of the, the tweets that have come out from so many different fans and media members, but, uh, I mean, I wasn't as impressed that half the, half the world was. So, I mean, it, it could just be me. It's, 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 one of the things I'll say, Sean, you know what, I'll say it after this, this, this um, segment. Go ahead. Finally, Dana White says that Kobe Covington versus Kamaru Usman will happen this year. Do you believe Dana White? No. <laughs> no, I don't believe him. I'm just going to edge on the, on the side of caution here. I don't believe him. I, it's only August. That would push this fight probably in November. Could be November, December. Could be September. I don't know. But, you know, it's a fight I want to see. I'd love to see Kobe Covington as the official champ. Uh, but yeah, when it comes to Dana putting on these fights, sometimes we'll see more news out of the MMA world. Conor McGregor did attack an older gentleman back in April, apparently punched him in the face, allegedly because he turned down a shot of his whiskey. I, I don't care what was said there, Joe. If you were in Conor McGregor's position, you do not strike the man unless he said, I've got a bomb strapped to my chest. You don't punch the guy. I don't see any – I mean, I, I, I wasn't able to hear the audio because I actually watched it while we were at Ryzen. Uh, one of our producers to, to my left you know, had his computer open, turned it over, and clicked to YouTube. Uh, all I saw was this – you know, it didn't even look like an argument. It just looked like a guy just didn't want to take the, the shot of whiskey or you know, may have called it piss water. Who knows what he called yeah. it? I don't know. Uh, but then you know, Connor got upset, and as soon as the guy turned around, Connor suckers him. Like, wow. What, what are you thinking? Like, you, I, I don't – is he really becoming that delusional to not realize who he is that anything and everything around you will always be recorded? Like, I don't know, man. This, the, he, he's just on a different plane right now. Like, he always has been, but he's, or it's worse now. Like, you don't go sucker punching people because they don't want to have your, you don't go sucker punching people regardless. Yeah. But because he doesn't want to have, try your whiskey? Dude. And I'm hearing a lot of stories about, the hatred that is being built up in Ireland uh, for Conor McGregor. It's almost divided down the middle. Uh, I heard there that there was uh, some bottle smashings, a lot of bars and a lot of pubs. Apparently threw out uh, the proper 12. They won't serve it. They dumped it all, opened the bottles, smashed them. Um, the, 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 the popularity of Conor McGregor is in, apparently increasingly dropping in Ireland, where it's split down the middle. You still have your hardcore fans and appreciate what he's done. Uh, putting Ireland truly on the map when it comes to the world of mixed martial arts and combat sports as well. Uh, but then you have the other side. It's like, we, we don't want this guy to represent us. He's not a representative of Ireland. So it's getting it's getting very, very interesting and crazy for Conor McGregor. Chris Weidman's light heavyweight debut is set. Dom Reyes, I think this is a good matchup, Joe. Yeah, and Chris is probably going to lose that fight. So I'm yeah, looking, forward to, yeah, looking forward to it going down. And it's the main event, isn't it? I believe so, yeah. Okay, yeah, it's a good fight. It's a fantastic fight. We'll see how Chris does it at 205 pounds, but race is no joke, man. Dude's got power. He's fast. He's quick. Woo. Amanda Nunes defends her Bantamweight championship against Jermaine Durandamy at UFC 245 on December 
14th. Hell of a fight. The right fight, I think. Yes. Yeah, I like it. I want to see it. I, I definitely want to see it go down. I want to see, um, you know, it, it, we, we were a lot of people are calling Amanda the GOAT, right? the GOAT of all time when it comes to women's MMA uh, based on what she's done. And now, listen, let's, let's not kid ourselves. Jermaine Durand me in the stand-up realm is a huge challenge for Amanda Nunes, especially with, with uh, you know, GDR's um, pedigree, resume, and whatnot. She's violent, very violent. Uh, but so is Amanda Nunes. So we'll see if Amanda wants to stand and trade with her or take her down to the mat and take over from there. So it's, it's going to be a fun fight for sure. Before we get into the UFC 241 pay-per-view, we're going to play How Much They Make! UFC 241 edition. Now this will be in totality, whether it's win bonus, whether it's show uh, based on the fact that they lost. We're going to guess how much these people made disclosed. Joe, Nate Diaz, how much he make? 300K. 250,000. You know he's getting a cut, though. Oh, yeah. Guaranteed. He ain't Guaranteed. leaving that house for 250,000. Here's a good one. Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson. 100K. 190. Wow. That's a good payday for him. Interesting. Good for him. <laughs> Hannah Cyphers. 25K? 28K. Not far off. All right. Jody Escabel. Jody Escabel. Twelve K? Ten K. Oh, okay. Yeah. Listen, Matt, you make it 10K to fight in the UFC. It's still crazy. Yikes. Yeah. Derek Brunson's opponent, keep in mind, Derek Brunson made 190000 Derek Brunson's opponent, Ian Heinish. 30K. How much? Sorry, I hit mute. I had to cough yeah. there. Try 25K. Yay. Yikes. Wow, 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 wow. What a disparity. But, yeah. Daniel so Cormier. He- DC probably got, I was going to say a million, but that's probably because of uh, the uh, pay-per-view buys. Uh, I'll go with half, 500K. You Right on the money. Oh, there you go. Okay. How about Stipe? I should say, well, he might get more than a million. Um, I'll go with 500K again. 750 disclosed. Oh, boy. Out of boy. Here's the most interesting one. Corey Sandhagen. Yep. What you got? 50K. 154,000. Wow. Good for him. Collect. Secure the bag, my friend. How much they Uh, make. Well, I'll tell you what. UFC made a pretty damn good main card of UFC 241. That show ruled, uh, but... (laughs) We have some major fights to talk about. DC, Stipe. DC did not give Stipe Miocic the respect that he deserved in any way, shape, or form, Joe. Uh, You heard the corner of Daniel Cormier saying, for the love of God, get your hands up. Daniel Cormier did not, and he paid the price. Uh, Not only that, he let Stipe go to his body. Stipe said that he first noticed the... the, uh, the ability to go to to Cormier's body back at the Anderson Silva fight, which wow. caused uh, Daniel Cormier a little bit of trouble. But Stipe puts Cormier away, and 
really secures his spot as the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time, in my opinion, defeating the man who I think could have been the greatest heavyweight of all time had he stayed there. What do you think of Stipe winning uh, the, the, before we get into anything else? Um, be, it's hard to say. DC made some mistakes. He, he publicly stated himself, and I agree, and I agree with the corner, uh, asking him to stop doing the, playing the hand game and keeping the hands up. Uh, wasn't able to respond with the body shots that were coming in because they just kept coming. And usually you're told not to go to the well uh, more than twice. If you start going three times, it becomes predictable. It becomes a trend. Uh, an opponent will be able to counter it. Um, DC wasn't able to. Stipe just kept going to the well until the opportunity presented itself. So uh, frustrating to see Daniel Cormier lose the way he did. Um, but in, in, in Stipe winning, I'm kind of okay with it afterwards because we're finally starting to see some personality out of this dud, right? Mm-hmm. The guy's a rusted nail. Like, he's just, he's got the personality of a nail. Yeah. You know, like, I, I love the guy to death. I've, I've had conversations with him outside of interviews, but if you look at him and ask people before this fight, boring. So boring. He's just, ugh, right? But after this fight, the dude's dropping F-bombs. He was dancing. Uh, you know, he was he was saying crazy stuff on the mic, and that's all we ask for. Right? That's all probably fi- fans in the UFC is asking for from Stipe Miocic. Show some personality. You know, whether it's it's on the high end or the low end. Yeah, you can be you, but sucks for the fans, right? And, and now we're starting to see a bit more because the guy's a bad man. You know, baddest man on the planet at the moment, right? Uh, I don't think, uh, you know, Anthony Joshua and Ruiz or any of those guys would want to tangle with him. I mean, they could do it in a boxing ring, but overall, Stipe would mess those guys up. Right, so you know, Stipe is the baddest man on the planet. Obviously, the baddest fireman in the world. But now we're starting to see some personality. And I hope it continues. Right? I don't, I don't know what angle he wants to take, or you know, just don't be shy. Don't be you. What are they going to do? No one's going to beat you up. Just say what you got to say. What's next for Daniel Cormier? Is anything next? Yeah. Rematch with Stipe. He should. It's, it's the it's the thing that makes the most sense to me, Joe. It's the rubber match. Get the rubber match going because forget about John Jones. For, you're not going back to 205. He doesn't Just deserve it. Yeah. Well, okay. When I say he doesn't deserve another 205-pound shot, he kind of does. He never lost that title. So Correct. I'm okay with it if it happens. I, I just don't want to see the fight again at 205 pounds. I've seen it. I don't need yeah. it. I've seen it twice. Same result yeah. both times. I agree. I agree. I think that the, the rubber match between Stipe and Daniel has to happen. You know, it's it's Daniel granted him. It's Daniel beat him in the first round, and eventually got. And Stipe did not compete again until this rematch. Got the rematch, excuse me, won the title, uh, and then took four rounds to take out uh, Daniel Cormier. So I think Daniel's got a better argument to get a rematch or a rubber match than Stipe did um, to get a rematch. So I say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done 
which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'd like to see DC um, heal up, get better, back to the gym, back to the drawing board, work on what needs to be fixed, uh, and get it and get this rubber match going. Stipe also has Ngannou maybe on the docket, but after the way that first fight went, I don't think UFC should be in any rush to to run that one back. However, the UFC should be in a rush to put Nate Diaz against Masvidal. And Joe, it should be a pay-per-view main event. It should either be a pay-per-view main event or be on ESPN as a loss leader. Well, it's a title fight, isn't it? Yeah, the CBD Marijuana Weight Championship. No, it's not uh, the baddest man, baddest motherfucker in the game. I think whoa! Yeah. Whoa! Isn't that what he said, or baddest whatever? Yes. Uh, so here's the thing. Imagine me telling you in 2015 that a few years later, Nate Diaz, who wasn't that relevant in the lightweight division, Masvidal, who wasn't that relevant in the lightweight division, would be the highest attraction or the biggest attraction for the UFC in a non-title fight at welterweight four years later. Oh, by the way, Pe- or Diaz wouldn't fight for three of those years. <laughs> it is amazing the way things come together. This doesn't hold up a division. It doesn't prevent anything. Masvidal should not be in the title conversation. I don't care what he did to Ben Askren. He, he shouldn't <laughs> be there. If he beats Diaz, sure, why not? But uh, after two, winning two, after losing two, I'm not there. Uh, I love this fight. Uh, I'm excited. I'm so excited about this fight that I'm talking about it before the actual fight that happened, Joe. Listen, first of all, based on what you said, uh, if you'd have told me this four years ago, in the great words of my son, who is this guy? What is he, a donkey? That's what I would have said, right? Like, there's no chance. Now, tell me, like, if you'd have said that there's a chance that Nate Diaz and Jorge Masvidal can fight, 100%, right? East Coast, West Coast sort of thing, or at least Florida against Cali. Like, I, I could see that, no problem. But to the scope that it is right now, no, no chance. But I will, I mean, it is free promotion for the UFC. There's no work that needs to be required as of this moment to promote this fight. They have enough footage and enough quotes to promote this fight. You want more? Go put cameras in front of these two guys and watch what happens. Like, this is, this is a huge, huge prize fight. Okay? It's a huge moneymaker. It's a needle mover. Easy easy for the UFC and if it doesn't happen I don't even want to know what prevents this fight from happening other than potentially Nate Diaz going off his rocker or even Masvidal going off his rocker about the amount of money they want right I mean there, there, there could be situations where it won't happen but when you got Nate Diaz calling somebody out by name and Masvidal more than happy to oblige seems easy to me man yeah yeah, it seems like a no-brainer to me, and my thing is, it should headline a UFC pay-per-view because it should be five rounds, and if it's not headlining a UFC pay-per-view, it should headline on regular ESPN because this is the type of fight that you can look at in the same scope for ESPN as maybe Griffin and Bonner for Spike TV where, okay, you want a lot of people to get interested in MMA, here's a good chance. As yep. many people that are going to be interested in a fight of that caliber will be interested in that. Bars will have it on every corner. People will – there might be people that train MMA because of this fight. I'm down with that. Uh, Nate D. Let me, or Anthony, let me ask ahead. you one question before you go to the boat. Now that you know that Diaz is a needle mover. Yeah. Not, sorry, not you. Not you. 
now that Dane has publicly admitted it, finally, that yeah. Nate Diaz is a needle mover. And the, the, the numbers are there. Just go look at the UFC uh, uh, YouTube channel. Go look at the videos that Nate Diaz is involved with. Okay? His post-fight interview alone. Okay? Go look at those numbers. So you know Nate Diaz is going to move the needle. If you're Dana White, Sean Shelby, etc., would you not pick up the phone or fly down to Stockton, sit Nick Diaz down, and ask him, what will it take for you to return to the octagon? Because hot damn, that guy's a needle mover as well. You could start alternating Diaz brothers in events. You want to start making some money again? There's an answer for you right there. Yep, they should. They fully should. I don't know if they will, but they should. So Anthony Showtime Pettis broke his foot, yeah. which changed the outcome of this fight with Nate Diaz. I feel like if he didn't break his foot, the leg kick game continues, and Anthony Pettis probably ends up taking a very, very close decision. But that ain't what happened. He nope. broke his foot. He couldn't do it anymore. He couldn't switch. And Nate Diaz took advantage. And Nate Diaz did what Nate Diaz does and wore Showtime Pettis out. And this was a great performance out of Nate Diaz. Uh, just, it's almost all you could ask for. I can't believe that Pettis withstood those knees to the head. I no. thought the fight was going to end there. Uh, an okay performance out of Pettis until he broke his foot, but I thought that Nate Diaz did everything that he was supposed to do to win this fight, Joe. I can't say enough positive things about him. Yeah, I mean, Pettis was winning that first round, uh, in my opinion. I don't know how two judges got a 30-27. I, well, you know what? I could see... But I think uh, you know Pettis was doing just what he needed to do in that first round to give Diaz all kinds of problems, uh, and then after that foot break, it's game over, right? It's it's that's the that's MMA. Sometimes your foot gets broken, you roll an ankle, your knee pops, whatever it could be, it's damage, right? And you can't you can't blame the other fighter for not taking advantage of the damage or swinging the the tide of the fight, uh, the momentum in another way. So uh, Nate Diaz did what Nate Diaz is supposed to do: swarm, uh, attack. Uh, keep going, keep going, keep punishing, keep punishing, keep punishing, and, and emerge victorious. So, kudos to Nate. Sucks for Anthony, you know. It's it, but that's just part of the game, you know. It's just look at Uriah Faber. He had both his hands busted against Mike Brown, and he still went after him with elbows, right? So yeah. try and figure it out, right? So, uh, but you know, Pettis has heart to, to have your foot broken and continue fighting. People don't understand the type of heart that it takes. Some most people were like, okay, it's over. My foot's broken. It's <laughs> over. I'm out. I'm out tap tap or, or in real life it's over this guy kept going so give him some some respect for that so we know what's next for diaz uh, pettis anybody at welterweight anybody probably y you know who i wouldn't hate to see him fight robbie lawler wouldn't hate to see him fight robbie lawler in the future that's a good point yeah wouldn't wouldn't mind that one maybe vicente luque somebody like that i'm okay with that Yo, Romero, I get the feeling he's effectively done at the championship levels of middleweight and MMA, honestly. He's in his 40s. Uh, he had a pretty good performance against Costa, all things considered. He didn't go away, but Costa just beat him, in my opinion. I was shocked that this was so controversial. Uh, I'll give Romero credit. I didn't expect him to turn it on in the third round. I thought that we had seen the best of Romero by that point, and that was long gone. But... He fought back. I thought it was hilarious when he was recovering from getting dropped. He did the old, look over there, and then punched Costa in the face and dropped him. That was hilarious. Paulo Costa, you know, you could say it's all about aesthetics all you want. 
The guy belongs at the top of this middleweight division. Uh, he's he's not just like somebody the UFC is pushing. He beat Yoel freaking Romero, Joe. Uh, I This has got to be great news for the UFC. You get the younger guy in there. Uh, he already called out the winner of Adesanya Whitaker. I think that makes a lot of sense. He's ranked number two in the division now. Yep. What are your thoughts? Um, <sighs> Romero's funny. It's just it's an odd duck. He's like the, the you've got. He, he reminds me of you know I, I don't want to get into a, any political conversations here, but he's like the flat earther of uh, the middleweight division. No matter what you tell him, the earth is round. He's going to continue to act like it's flat. I'm trying to make an analogy here where if you just fought, you just fight. You're in an MMA fight. If you fight, you win. You keep doing what you're doing. You're always going to be wrong. You're going to lose, right? And, and Paulo Costa just sat there and just picked away at him, picked away at him, ate, you know, ate some shots himself. I just think Romero, the way he thinks, doesn't operate properly sometimes in, in MMA because I think he could have been so much greater in his career overall. Um, you know, if he'd have just attacked more, right? I get strategy. I get baiting your opponent. I get lulling them to sleep. I get that. But you know, the guy. I think he threw more. I think he stuck out his tongue more times than he threw punches or kicks sometimes. I was just – it's just like put your tongue back in your mouth and fight. You know what I'm saying? But it, it was a unanimous decision, 29-28 on, on the three scorecards. All the people that said Yo Romero won this fight, I, I could say, yeah, you might – I could see parts of where around you could give a round to Romero. But why make it so close, Sean? Why make it so close? Put Just beat up your opponent. Right, try your best, take him down, do something. That that's that's where you're great at, and it just he didn't do it. And Paulo Costa now is shining because of this, right? So good on him, and you know, and then he has um, Willie Ismail in his corner, and another weirdo, uh, or who operates kind of strangely. But uh, yeah, who hits for reply him. all in emails? I've learned, uh, and everybody else in MMA media learned last week. Thanks for that, guys. Really appreciate that uh, all week. <laughs> Uh, other big fights on the show, Sadiq Youssef won. Derek Brunson, mid-30s, finally got a coach at the urging of uh, Dominic Cruz, beat Ian Heinish, and recovered from a great head kick and won. Uh, Corey Sanhagen versus a Sun Sal. Corey Sanhagen is the new blood in that division and has to be looked at very, very seriously. Uh, he jumped all the way up to number three, and now it's, Sanhagen, Sterling, Marias, Cejudo at the top of that division. I dig it. Get Garbrandt. Get Faber. Get Cruz the hell out of there. We don't need it. Uh, Dillashaw, out of there. Completely new blood from one year ago in this Bantamweight division. I like it. Um, we also had Hannah Cyphers win, Kyung Hyo Kong, Sabina Mezo. Casey Kinney and Manny Bermudez was not a, as great a fight as we expected. Drakkar Close had a good performance. Kama Worthy with a major upset knockout and a very charismatic promo. What else stood out to you on this show, Joe? Uh, I didn't see any of the fights that you mentioned because, it, obviously, there's yeah. there's no time uh, with me flying back late and stuff like that. But I did, I did catch the first three fights. Uh, I am going to pay attention to Sadiq's fight, Derek's fight. Uh, obviously, with what you just mentioned about Kama's fight, I'm going to watch that. Have to watch Corey Sanhagen's performance. That's no ifs, ands, or buts. I heard that Drakkar Close... Gago's fight was pretty good. It I didn't was see pretty it, obviously. Good. Okay, so I'll, I'll definitely watch that. And 
the Hannah Cypher is obviously with me calling Hannah's fights in Titan. Uh, there's obviously some, you know, I, I really like her as a fighter, and she's great. I don't know how one judge had it 30-28. I don't know how you get a 30. I'm, I'm doing the math in my head, but how do you get a 30-28 card? Shitty judging. I don't understand how that. Oh, maybe a 10-10? Yeah. Cuckoo. So, Cuckoo. All right. Bellator is running their first show in a month and a half this weekend. They have not ran a show since July 12th. Before that, they didn't run one since June 22nd. Uh, they were a little bit more regular before that, but they only ran two shows in June, uh, two shows in May, one show in April, uh, two shows in March, a couple shows, uh, and then it was like four a month before that. Do you like this approach for Bellator? I do. I think absence makes the heart grow fonder, and I have been very outspoken, Joe, about how they have a very good roster, and it shouldn't be spread so thin that you have, like, Sam Cecilia main eventing a show. That shouldn't happen. That that doesn't need to happen. All due respect to him. This show, on the prelims, has Seba Homasi, Nick Newell, Timothy Johnson. It has... Conry Gracie, who you probably never heard of, but hey, they're banking on the Gracie name and that's it. Austin Vanderford, who is Mr. Paige Van Zant, On the prelims, <laughs> that looks about as good as a lot of their main cards have from name value in the past. What do you think of this new approach? I don't know what to think of it, to be honest with you. I think uh, I, I 100% agree with you that they have talent on their roster. And I think with the, under the right circumstances, um, and I hate to say this, the worst thing in MMA nowadays is is the fact that these promoters must put forth a bunch of content. They have to do it for their broadcasting rights, and in doing so, um, take away from the from the quality of the product. What's happening is the product will get watered down because you have to fill the cards um, with with bodies. And at times, there are bodies that should not be competing for Bellator and the UFC, whereas if you just left the top of the top for each promotion, you would see more high-quality fights, Sean. So, there, are, like you said, look, look at the names. I mean, even if you look at Bellator's next card, but if you look at the names here on the prelims, you could have some damn good cards with these guys on main cards, right? So, uh, listen, Scott Coker has to do what Scott Coker has to do. He signed uh, to do it. He's got to put forth the content. Uh, I, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. I don't like all those, these broadcasting deals where you have to give so much content to the providers as opposed to the, the actual quality of the product can be far more improved. And they would just sit down and say, we don't have to do weekly shows. We don't have to, we can do bi-weekly shows and pay-per-views. I know Belter won't do another pay-per-view for a while, but that, that's my theory. Uh, they go right back to three shows next month. Of course, let's yep. talk about some of the fighters on this show. Tyrell Fortune, 6-0, and one of their projects that has really worked out. Uh, he's on the c- card against Rudy Shafroth, who nobody has ever heard of, but is also 6-0. and <laughs> uh, Yaroslav Amasov, who, woo boy, is he good. He is real good, 21-0, and taking on David Rickles. That's a hell of a test for him. Uh, Taylor Turner, 2-4 and against Alejandra Lara, 7-3. and why? Well, first off, why is anybody that's two and four getting booked in the promotion, Joe? Does she take us on a on a? Well, oh, that's another. Story I don't care. Together. I don't care. There's somebody. Yeah. 
who's better than two and four. Oh, yeah. No other stands or butts, especially a flyweight. Two and four on a Bellator show. I'm going to double check here, make sure it's it's the main card. Yeah, main card. Build, build on Wikipedia as third from the top. Ugh. There's that's, something we don't know. That's stupid. This, well, either way, at least at least we have Tyrell Fortune and Yaroslav Amasov fighting. I think they're both going to win. But David Rickles is not an easy out for Amasov. I mean, he's a guy who's won four of his last five. Um, he had lost to Melvin Gillard, but um, Gillard was on some shit. <laughs> on some shit. Uh, Rickles has never lost two in a row. He has been a Bellator mainstay since 2011. Uh, this is, I think, the ultimate test for Amasov. And if he wins this, I'm ready to start talking about him near the top of the the, the division and maybe a title fight. Not yet. Not yet. Not at 170. He's I got do. a bit of work to do. Take out Rickles. Yep, take out Rickles. But, uh, man, this this is, an, this is a pretty stacked division at 170. Right? Give him time. I guess, but I mean, he's. This would be him beating Gerald Harris, Eric Silva, and David Rickles back to back to back in Bellator. Valid, yep. And I mean, he he doesn't have a finish yet in Bellator, and that's the big thing because he was finishing everybody like over in the Ukraine or wherever the hell he fought. I think Ukraine. Uh, but if he starts to get finishes, if he can finish David Rickles, that would tell me a lot. Also, on the prelims, I mentioned Nick Newell, great person to have on the prelims. Timothy Johnson, good name to have on the prelims. Sabah Homasi, whatever. Austin Vanderford, that's that's a good name. I mean, Sabah Homasi, UFC vet. Ricky Bandeas, that's a pretty good name. Um, and then you got Conry Gracie, who cares? It's He's there for the, the, the name. This is a decent little prelim show, Joe. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Still laughing at the fact that Timothy Johnson got cut from the UC after a win, but um, yeah, and he goes and fights Congo and gets knocked out in 68 seconds. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's it. There are good names on there. There are good names on there, and they're on the prelims. And uh, I don't know if anyone in Canada can see them. Well, we, we got to get the zone, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, other than that, I, 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 you know, Nick Newell, like you mentioned, um, Homasi operates in a different frequency. I think I know where you're going with this. So, uh, but yeah, it'd be fun. Vitaly Minikov taking on Javi Ayala. Uh, Minikov, you know, looking to march back towards that heavyweight title. Do you think he can do it? Do you think he beats Javi Ayala? Ayala's one of those guys he's going to chuck and duck. You know what you're getting out of Javi Ayala. Uh, maybe not the most exciting fighter in the world, but if you're Minikov, you got to come back from that Czech Congo loss. And that's a tough one, man. He came back after all that time off. It was over a year off after not fighting in Bellator for years. And everybody thought, okay, he goes right back to the top of the division. Well, not so much because Chet Congo is having the best run of his MMA career right now and uh, got stopped. But I don't I don't think this one would be tough for Minikov to win. I think Bellator was smart in doing this and just selling this on, hey, Minikov is fighting. Let's see how he does. I think Minikov wins. I mean, the fact that he took 75 years off and then fights Czech Congo and takes him to a five-round decision, uh, or excuse me, takes him to the takes him to a decision. It was only a three-rounder that fight. Um, says a lot. And you know, Ayala, I mean, he you you defeat Frank Mir, and, and Frank Mir's been around the block. I remember Frank Mir um, he can't take the punches that he used to in his youth. 
right? So it's it's no different than guys that have been competing for a long time. Physically, they can take it, but once that jaw gets hit and it gets shut down, it's over. So uh, Ayala ran with that in Merdrick Torres, and, he, and but uh, he did go the distance with Roy Nelson. But we can always say Roy Nelson doesn't really do much with what he, the capability that he does have. Uh, and then Czech Congo, you saw what Czech Congo did to Ayala. So uh, I'm going to go with Minikoff in this fight. Speaking of Ayala, he is the only person to beat Sergei Heratanov in his last, I think, 13 fights. Mm-hmm. However, he does have two no contests, one of those being to Matt Mitrione, who uh, was able to stop Karatanov one second earlier than Ayala, although the result was much different, a kick to the nutsack. They're running this one back six months later. I- I'm going Karatanov here. I-, I mean, the guy has competed at a high level for so long, hasn't been getting beaten. Uh, and, I mean, Karatanov had a nice run where he beat Bella, uh, where he beat uh, Fedor, although that was who connects with who first, a little bit harder. Um, I think Karatanov's going to take this. I think he's more technical. I think he's he's more well-rounded. I think that he has competed, oddly enough, at a higher level for a longer time than Matt Mitrione. I mean, around the time that Matt Mitrione started in the UFC about 2010 to 2011, Sergey Heratanov was fighting the Josh Barnett's of the world yeah. and uh, Overeem and Verdum. I mean, my God, he was fighting Overeem and Verdum three years before Matt Mitrione probably knew what MMA was. How do you think this one goes? I mean, you look at Heratanov and man, he is really an unsung hero of the heavyweight division. He's beaten Ninja Hua, Semi Schilt, Pedro Hizo, Fabricio Verdum, Overeem, Arlovsky. My God. What do you think? You believe he's younger than Mitrione? Isn't that crazy? He's younger than Mitrione. Uh, and it's funny we're Two talking about... Two years younger. Yeah, it's funny we're talking about a boat where, um, you know, nut shots were the issue in the first one, or a nut shot. Uh, just, just funny that... The, the boat that I was mentioning to you in the rising card that was third from the top, Victor Henry against Trent Gurdum. Ben Wynn and I were having so much fun calling that fight. And it was not funny, but we were just having fun uh, at the nut shots because um, uh, I think it was Trent Gurdum went up 2 nothing when it comes to nut shots. And then Victor Henry tied it, made it 2-2. Oh my God. Four nut shots landed in one fight, despite the high-quality MMA. It's just, you know, sometimes self-bob or just depending on the position. Uh, but yeah, but talking about this Bellator uh, main event in the heavyweight division, uh, I, I agree with your assessment. Kartanov, I think, is going to emerge victorious. Um, I think he's just got that different type of. I'm not going to compliment his footwork, but I think it's different than Mitrione's to the point where Matt Mitrione may get caught in a very bad position with Karnatov landing that one punch that just drops everything. Now, Mitrione does have power. Let's not kid ourselves. If he decides to, to turn things on. And Karnatanov is caught flat-footed, could get ugly, Sean. Could get real ugly uh, for Karnatanov. I just look at this fight here, basically paper versus paper. I'm going with Sergey. I am too. I think this is an okay main event for Bellator. And I'm, I'm, I guess I'm hypercritical over Bellator because I know they can do so much more, always. I know that they can do so much better. They have so many champions that fight like, like they have them fight once a year. And, and maybe that bothers me a little bit. And, I mean, God, they got enough Pitbull brothers to headline more than one show a month, for the love of God. But uh, I will be watching this show. Uh, we will cover this show next Tuesday on the Fightful MMA podcast. But um, as we 
wrap up. John Jones will have a hearing for his battery trial. That that's coming up next month, but no UFC this weekend. I'm I'm happy. <laughs> I'm very excited. Uh, I won't be able to do a post show for the show in a couple weeks because I'll be in Chicago for uh, an AEW show. But Joe, what do you have going on this week? You, you've had a lot of stuff over the last week. A lot of stuff going on. I, I, well, I'm in catch up mode uh, for all things in my life, so I'm dealing with uh, I would say three to four. Uh, I'm not going to put them at that emergency scale, Sean, <laughs> yeah. but they're like just you got to get them done asap joe so that's where i'm at right now and i'm actually glad there's no ufc event this weekend only because i'm apparently going away with the family for the first time in a very long time uh it may not be an overnighter my son's trying to fight me he wants an overnighter he wants to stay in a hotel like daddy does and blah blah, blah. so we'll, we'll figure that out but uh yeah it's going to be an interesting week leading up to everything it sucks that you know i i, I as, as crazy as it sounds i am interested in this andrage zang fight just to see if, if zang can pull off the upset and it's got a pretty good co-main event. But in a way, it's good because before the show, before we came on the air, uh, I think there was four fights that got dropped from this show. So the UFC is in, in, in scrambling mode at the moment to figure out who they're going to fill up. So next week, we'll be able to discuss it uh, on the on the, bot, on the podcast here. So, But uh, other than that, Sean, for myself, just same old, same old, same old work, work, work. And, you know, obviously, I'm so glad to be home to coach the boys to uh, practice tonight and game on Thursday. So. Guys, I want to thank you all so much. Leave a thumbs up. Sorry that we were not live today. Uh, streaming issue. Uh, it was human error, not software error. I set the uh, broadcast canvas or something too big. But we'll be right back live next week, as we will be every single week. Till next time, guys. Leave a thumbs up. Subscribe. We're out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.